Bob Dylan, he was a singer a long time ago. Some of you may have heard of him. Um, he had a song called, You Gotta Serve Somebody. And the lyrics, in part, go, you're gonna have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're gonna have to serve somebody. See, you and I have been created and designed to serve, right? We've, we've been designed to live in community. And to live in the community is to serve and to love. And today we're going to see God working to grow his church in the book of Acts, to strengthen his church through several things. And one of the core things is through Christians, believers in communities like this, serving one another. So as I said, we're in the book of Acts. We're continuing our message series entitled Unstoppable, right? The story of of God building his church. And we see him working through his followers, through hardship in the first few chapters, in the face of opposition, the, the threat of persecution, right? The early church to this point, um, where we are in the book of Acts, has faced many threats from the outside. And God has supernaturally, week in and week out, we've seen how God has supernaturally provided and preserved his people, his church, and his message throughout history. And today we come to chapter 6 of the book of Acts. And there's a new threat, right? But this one is from the inside. The danger is from the inside. And it's coming, it's springing from the needs and the threat of division and unfairness within the body of Christ. And yet the mission of God remains the same. God is still on his throne, still has a plan to grow his church and to prevent it from being split. And it's going to be through humble, faithful serving we're going to see here in chapter 6. And this is critical for us to understand this morning that in fulfilling the mission of God, fulfilling um, the mission of the church and the mission and the plan that God has for your life and mine is not, is not as we would think, maybe some big Armageddon battle or some big upheaval of the government. It's not even in some great crusades, but it's in the spirit of Christ working through the faithful obedience of Christians like you and like me. And so here we are in Acts chapter 6. I'm going to read the first seven verses of Acts chapter 6. And it says, uh, the, it'll be on the screen or you can follow on uh, in your chair. It says this, verse 1. Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers... Pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, these they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. 
And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. God, thank you um, that it is the truth. Thank you that it divides uh, bone and marrow. It cuts to the heart. And so this morning, God, I pray that you'd speak through your word by the power of your Holy Spirit, far beyond anything I could say. Lord, speak to us. Um, stir us out of our slumber and draw us to your side. And may we be doers and not hearers only in Jesus' name. Amen. So the title of the message this morning is Served to Serve. But the more I thought about it, I had another title. I was wrestling with a few titles and it, the title's not that big of a deal. But so the, the, uh, the subtitle is Disciples in Action, right? Um, the context of what is happening in the church is um, in verse one there. Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, the church is growing. People are coming. The church is healthy, right? Things were good. Um, God has defended his people from outside attacks, from the Sadducees and the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders in Jerusalem. And then comes a complaint. It says a complaint arose. Now, this is a legitimate issue. It doesn't say that it was not. Um, you know, there are always challenges when we grow. There's always challenges in the body of Christ, in our community, but also in your own life when you're going through growing pains. And that's what was happening here. The church was growing. And um, as I've mentioned, this year our plan is to uh, prayerfully expand a little bit in some of the things that we're doing with our serving teams and those uh, get a little more organized and with our children's plan for Sunday and all these things. And, um, but with all that comes challenges, right? Especially for me because I'm not exactly wired for the details all the time. I prefer more of inspiration uh, rather than organization. But there will always be needs in the church. There will always be needs in the body of Christ that arise and issues that need to be addressed in a healthy, growing community of believers. And this is the case here. There was, not to get in the weeds here, but there was an issue with the daily distribution of food among the widows. This is a, um, um, we saw in chapter 2 and 4 that this is a close-knit community, right? How they were selling things and providing for one another and and giving uh, to one another, and they were meeting each other's needs, spiritual, emotional, and yes, physical. And one of the ways the early church did this was by providing food um, for the widows. And this goes back to the Mosaic Law. The, uh, it was a priority for meeting the needs of orphans and widows. And so uh, in the church, as they did this, there were two kind of sects in, in this church, right? There was the Jewish Converts that held closely to the culture of the Jewish community. They spoke Aramaic. They were mainly from Judea. And then there was the Hellenists who, um, although were likely Jewish converts, they had embraced the Greek Hellenistic culture, right? They spoke Greek. They came from what is called the diaspora, um, which is the dispersion from all around in the Roman uh, province of the Jews that had been scattered. And so 
Many had come to Jerusalem and now were part of this church in Jerusalem when they were converted to Christianity for support, for help, because many of them had been excommunicated from their families and, and those kind of things. And this is all that they had. And so they would come and the church met one another's needs in that way. And the church had grown. Some counts of historians are around 25,000 members at this point. It's really booming. And so it's become more than these 12 disciples uh, can necessarily handle. And that's a good thing. It's God's plan that we grow and that we're healthy and that, um, but not that we do it alone. Not that the burden of church, the burden of community, the burden of meeting, meeting one another's needs is on one or two or even a handful of people. And so as we look at this passage today, it provides a wonderful example of God's design for his church and how we're to function within these walls and without. So throughout the centuries, God has been growing his church up to now. It's, it's his will that we grow and, and are healthy. And one of the purposes of the book of Acts is that we can look back at the beginning of the church and see how God has provided, how God has grown the church. And it's often through trials, which we've been learning lessons from. And we see in this passage that it's God's design and desire for Christians to serve together. To be a follower of Christ and to be a part of the family of God is to be a servant. Where once I was a servant of my flesh, of myself, my number one goal every day was providing for myself. Through the example of Jesus and through his teachings and the power of his Holy Spirit, you and I as followers of Jesus Christ are called to serve others. Serving means putting someone else's needs before my own. And so before you say, oh, okay, great, this is going to be, you know, sign them up Sunday. Where's the list where we sign up for, you know, moving chairs or whatever it is? No, no, no. It's much more than that this morning. The message today is about us turning our focus from inward to outward in our own personal lives and in our lives even as a community of believers. Martin Seligman, who's an eminent, uh, eminent psychologist this past uh, century said the life committed to nothing larger than itself is a meager life indeed. It's so true. That's not how we were created. This community, following the example of Jesus, who left heaven's throne room to come serve you and me. And something in us knows that we're designed that way. Something in every human knows that we're, we're designed to serve. That's why you see people who are not believers, not Christians, and uh, all kinds of people going down and serving in the soup kitchens or serving, uh, giving out coats uh, in the city and things like that. We know somewhere that we're designed for this. And so what is the Holy Spirit telling us through this passage, through this scripture this morning about what it is to serve? Well, number one, serving is God's design for us. It says in verse two there, and the 12 summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. He said, it's not right that a few people are doing everything. It's interesting because the apostles, it doesn't say they argued. It doesn't say that they were defensive, right? Peter could have gotten defensive as a leader and said, listen, he could have flexed a little bit. Listen, when I was walking with Jesus and he was talking to me, you know, the Savior, he and I were eating together and talking, he never said anything about waiting on tables. He didn't get defensive. They went right to 
problem solving. And for me, I know my flesh, I'm on a hair trigger sometimes of defensiveness because life is such a fight, right? Just getting here this morning, I was thinking about it. You know, down south, when you're sharing Christ with someone, we used to, we used to kind of talk about how you had to convince people that they were miserable first because they had a nice house, they had a nice boat, they went to the lake, living easy. So we had to convince them, no, you're lost, you're broken. Well, in New York City, it's just the opposite. Everybody knows they're miserable. We just have to let them know there's an answer. There's hope, right? And so um, he didn't get defensive. He didn't go on the attack. He served. And that's a lesson to all of us, not to be waiting to be offended, right? That's why we have a hard time being vulnerable because we're, sometimes we're too busy protecting ourselves, even in the body of Christ. Even when we show up on Sunday mornings or even in our small groups or D groups, sometimes we, we hold a lot back. And to serve one another, to love one another, we have to, to let our guard down and trust in Christ to defend us. But the 12 go, go right to finding a solution. He says it's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. See, this, this act of service for the apostles was not below them. That's not what they're saying because they had been doing it. They simply had a different calling and a different priority for their own lives in the community. They served through the ministry. That word also means service of the word, preaching and teaching. Listen, at Neighborhood Church, this is always going to be a priority. Everything we, we're going to be about doing all that we can do to minister and to, to figure out how to do that better. But preaching the word of God has got to be at the center of everything that we do. It's not about teaching principles or clever stories. It's not just a social aspect. The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. And, and we've got to make that a priority. And so they realized, these disciples, they realized that was their calling. That was their act of service. And so, of course, the people could have got offended by this as well, I guess. It's a never, when we're easily offended, it's a never-ending cycle of dysfunction, right? 1 Corinthians 12, 17 and 18 says, If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. Listen, this morning, God has arranged, has uh, aligned you, has, uh, what's the word he used there? He has, um, he's placed you here in the body, arranged you for a purpose as part of the body. And so we're living in community with one another, with God and with one another. And so Christ restores that community that we were meant to live in. And by the Holy Spirit, he restores us to himself and then he restores us with one another and that community, that service to one another. Listen, no relationship is healthy, right? No relationship is healthy when only one person, only one side of the relationship is doing all the serving and loving and heavy lifting. One of the mysteries of God is that he would want a relationship with us, right? We have questions about pain and suffering and freedom of choice and all those things and but God has given us the ability to love and also the ability to reject. But it's about a relationship. When I choose to love God, that's a relationship. I'm responding. When I choose to love 
one another, my fellow man, that is, that is a choice to, to operate in this relationship. But the relationship we've been given through Jesus is dynamic, right? It's an intimate one. It's an honest one. But we have to understand that relationship before we can have healthy relationships with one another. And so we have that relationship with him and we have a relationship with one another, not living primarily for myself, but in community. This word, this interesting, this word serving, the original word, diakonia, derived from dioko, which means to pursue, to be a follower of a person, to attach oneself to him. Serving is pursuing someone else. Not only primarily serving myself and pursuing myself, it's to, it's to meet others' needs, it's to find out other people's struggles. And this is countercultural to the world that we live in today. It's all about my path, my truth, my needs. And so as we come into this place, as we come into relationship with one another as the church, sometimes that bleeds over and we come in with our walls up. And Christ has called the church to, to pursue one another just as he pursued us. Jesus stepped into your world. He stepped into my world, into my mess. And so he's called us as followers of Jesus to be willing to step into someone else's mess. It's not just about serving tables. It's not just about setting chairs up, although that is, a, that is service as well. It's about turning outward and being concerned about the needs of one another. And the church is the opportunity for us to live this out, to work this out in our relationships with one another. That's my prayer for us as a church, that, that when, when people come to this community of believers and come worship with us and, and experience um, conversation with any of us, they would experience this, this kind of love, this kind of pursuit that cares is not just primarily concerned about self. Remember when I was in the, this singing group in, in Bible college, it was about 30 of us, and it was uh, all these, we were men, and we traveled around singing, and I only mentioned that it was men because that creates a bunch of problems when we're in a bus together for a week. And I remember we were, there was so much conflict started happening within when we were traveling. And then we get to these churches, and we'd get up there and sing about Jesus and love and all this stuff. And then we get back in the, in the bus and, you know, hate each other. And I remember the leader gave us a devotional one night. He said, listen, if it doesn't happen here, it's not happening out there. Nobody buys it. Everybody sees right through it. If we can't love one another and serve one another, that's what God has called us to do. And so the, the challenge with the Christian message is it's not about me. The Apostle Paul understood this in Galatians 5, verse 13. He wrote, for you were called to freedom, brothers. Yes. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. We've been given every blessing from God, but we're called to turn that outward to those around us. And that manifests itself in our church, in our community, in our relationships outside the church as well. I remember when I was a kid, my father was a pastor, and, and one time he used to have this children's message he called it in the middle of the church service he would call the kids down front and we'd sit on the floor and he would he would come down and sit and give us a little special message just for the kids and I remember one time he said I want I want to teach them a lesson today so I'm going to have a bowl of candy and I'm going to give it to you 
to pass out, but I want you to take it and go off to the side and, and kind of hoard it, start putting it in your pockets like it's all your side. I was like, that's, that's not very nice. You know, make everybody think I'm that way. So I went down, and of course he gave it to me, and I started doing it, and they were all like, hey. And so he, he said, okay, I, just, I, just, I was just making a point there. But the point is this. We're not called to be consumers. We're called to be conduits of God's grace and His love and His mercy. And this is the challenge because the message of the gospel is redemption. It's restoration for me. It's salvation for me. I've been given a new life in Jesus. All the blessings, all the inheritance of a child of God. However, it's really not about me. Our relationship has been healed and restored to God, first of all, for his glory, for his pleasure. He designed us for that. He desires that relationship with you. Yes, it's good for us. It's good for me because he is pleased. But secondly, God has chosen to restore the world to himself through you. That you and I would be conduits of his grace and love for the good of others. So as a Christian, my life is about God's pleasure. It's about channeling um, his spirit through my life to others, just as he demonstrated through Christ. But secondly, serving one another is empowered by the Holy Spirit. This is not just something you and I do on our own. In verse 3 there, he says, Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. So the 12 disciples gather everyone around. They didn't have a private meeting. They gathered everyone around. And they passed the nomination even of these, those that will serve to the people. They gave them guidelines as for the, what to look for in these that would serve in this capacity of good repute, which means a good reputation, full of the spirit and full of wisdom. That word wisdom there. In the Greek, is Sophia. Sophia means mental excellence in its highest and fullest sense. Sophia is used frequently in the New Testament to describe the ability to discern and conform to God's will. So it's a high standard there. It's wisdom knowing the will of God. That's the quality of those who are full of the Holy Spirit. If you're a Christian this morning, you have the Holy Spirit living within you. You have the availability of this wisdom. And this seems to be the first calling of what we would call deacons, right, in the church. Now, we are all deacons to a certain extent. And there is a precedent in 1 Timothy chapter 3 for a particular office of deacon or position of deacon. And there's a, there's a commission for such a position. But they don't, they don't say that specifically here. That word in uh, verse 2, to serve tables, like I said before, diakoneo, which is where we get the word deacon. We're not told that this is officially the, the group of deacons uh, as we know it today in many churches, but they'll be serving in the same capacity. This is what deacons do. That's what the word means. They serve. And we'll be going through this this year. This is one of our uh, goals for this year is to start to look into 
God calling out deacons among us. It says, these they set before the apostles in verse 6, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. See, serving is ultimately a spiritual act. It's initiated and empowered by the Holy Spirit in your life. Just like dissension and division is a spiritual attack, right? Ephesians 6.12 says, we, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness in high places. So part of growing as a disciple for you and for me is to see your life as a through spiritual eyes. See everything through spiritual eyes and what is God saying and what, what is God leading? Not simply bad luck or bad people, but a spiritual attack and to be battled on a spiritual level. He says, look for those full of the spirit. This is at the heart of, of what it is to serve. Why? Because outside of the spirit, you and I don't know how to serve and love one another. We really don't. He's telling them this because there may be some who've come along who aren't believers. They may, not be, they may not have the Holy Spirit within them or they may not be walking in the Spirit. You know, they may be quenching or grieving the Spirit. See, we are all called to serve, but in our flesh as a human, we know it's there. It's a little bit of a battle, but we're all kind of allergic to it, right? In our flesh. And if we... If we do commit to it, it's for the wrong reasons. A lot of time it's motivated by pride or guilt, etc. Or like the world says, what, what's in it for me? But one of the purposes of the spirit of Jesus residing in you is to equip you to see life differently, to see others' needs, to be sensitive to others' struggles, and to be willing to be used by God to meet those needs. As Christians, we're all given gifts. We're all given abilities and a calling to serve in this way. 1 Corinthians 12 says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. You, as a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, when you received him by faith, you were given a deposit of his Holy Spirit in your life, speaking to you, guiding you, and empowering you with gifts, abilities to serve your fellow man and to serve the church. These gifts are, are listed out in Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and Ephesians 4, but they can be divided into two basic categories, gifts of speaking and gifts of doing. The categories aren't precise since those who speak also serve and do for those they speak to and those who speak serve as they minister but gifts of speaking include apostleship, prophecy, teaching, evangelism, exhortation, discerning spirits, and on and on. There are gifts. Gifts of service include leadership, helping, mercy, giving, faith, healing. Ministry of the word means to serve. So these disciples were serving 
as well. But whatever the case, all of us have been giving, given gifts to serve. You are the answer to someone's prayer in this room. God doesn't often just send letters in the mail or meet people's, answer people's prayers that way. He works through us. That's what these gifts are, these gifts of encouragement, these gifts of giving, all these things. He's working through you to touch someone else's life. And so the church's organization is a demonstration of God's design for our community. From top to bottom, servant leadership, serve those around you. And to not serve someone, to not give myself to the gifts that Christ has given me is to quench the Holy Spirit. It's to disobey, to grieve the Holy Spirit, as the word tells us. John 13, verse 14 and 15, Jesus said this, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done. We are called to love and serve one another. Live that out in a very practical sense with one another. I went on a mission trip to Haiti several years ago. And I went with a pastor friend. And we, start, we helped them start a church in a small village up in the mountains. And they're very honor and shame-based culture. And so we, we found at one point when we'd be up preaching or singing, there would be a gentleman uh, or two who would come up just randomly and just kind of stand like they were on this there was no stage but like they were with us they wouldn't say anything but they were just kind of standing up there like and someone told us oh yeah they're just making sure everybody knows that they're the they're the leaders they're the pastor they're the whatever <laughs> and so it was just like an honor they wanted the honor of doing it and so that we saw that happening a lot in that village and there was one gentleman who from the time we got there, he got on his moped and he would ride to Port-au-Prince like a couple hours and get supplies and bring it back. He would help us out with everything, carry our stuff. He was trying to help us. And, and um, I remember one time he came riding into the village. He had like four people on one moped and a couple chickens. He, was, like, he did everything. And on Sunday morning, everybody um, came in there and they were all dressed up. And um, it was a big deal. And these people from... United States were there, these pastors, so everybody came from all over. It was a big deal. And they held us in high honor for coming there. And I remember the pastor got up after the singing and everything. Uh, my pastor friend got up to preach. And he called that gentleman who had been riding around on a moped doing all that. He called him up front and he pulled out a chair and he sat him there and he took off his shoes. And he washed his feet in front of everyone there. And everybody was like, what is this? And he preached on this, this passage where Jesus said, I've served you, serve one another, love one another. We are all his. We've all been served by Christ on the cross, pursuing us, loving us. And he's called us to, to serve one another and love one another that way. Demonstrate Jesus to one another. And so Jesus' example to all of us is what our posture and mindset should be as a community. And in turn, as we serve one another that way, it will overflow our lives to serving our community and serving our neighbors. And so the question you should ask, every one of us should ask this morning, is this. 
God, how have you gifted me? How have you gifted me to serve, to love others, to love one another? How have you, how have you gifted me to serve your people? What are the needs? How, do, how can I decipher what's going on around me, what the needs of the people are around me, the needs of our church as well? What has been made obvious to me? What am I passionate about? What, is, what, is, what burns inside of me a passion? What am I gifted with? And how can I use that to serve those around me? How have I been served? How has God used others to, to make me feel welcome, to make me feel loved, to, to bear my burdens? Because the danger for us in the church is to allow the world to push us into a box which is customer-consumer. Listen, I pay my tithe, or I, I do this, or I do that, and, and, and the, the pastor gets up there, and he does the show, and he, those, those people do everything. No, no, no. This is the body working together, serving and loving one another. It's how we demonstrate. It's at the core of how you demonstrate your faith. We can say we love God, and that we're His, and all those things, and then just kind of, keep our lives to ourselves. That's not the life that he's called us to. And so we're, we're called to serve. We've been designed for that. Jesus has shown us that. This is the kind of community that we should be, that when people come in, they sense this about us. It's not just about, like I said, doing things, although that's important. All the things have to be done, but it's about thinking outwardly. It's about seeing someone across the room and saying, hey, how you doing? How's your week go? What's going on? It's like taking that step into someone else's world. And finally, serving one another is serving God and his purposes ultimately. In verse 7, it says, And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Listen, ultimately, every call to serve, to speak, to lead, to teach, to set up chairs, to give financially, to speak to others even, is demonstrated towards and for the benefit of others. But the purpose is to glorify God. It's obedience. To accomplish the will and the purposes of of God in his church and in your life. 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11 says this, as each has received a gift, okay, so that's every, each one of us, he's speaking to each one of us individually, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that, so this is, this is the purpose of it all, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Our service is to glorify God, to bring glory to God. It's not to be the most popular church on the block. It's not so people like me. It's to bring glory to God. And listen, 
when that's the fuel for our service and our sacrifice, then it's really hard for people to, to knock us off of that. It's really hard for me to come to church and, and serve or reach out to love someone and then they say kind of a thing that we don't really like or love or whatever and then we get all offended and then we have to be convinced to, to, to do it again. It's under God, so it's like, God, here you go. I'm serving as unto you. I trust you for my defense. I trust you for what you're doing in my service. But we get in trouble when we see our service as unto ourselves and we begin to, to own it as ourselves, right? I remember a, a woman years ago, uh, I, was, I was a worship, new worship pastor at a church and I had a large choir. And I remember teaching them the first week that your worship and service, first and foremost, is your life living your life for Christ. Remember, she came to me afterwards. She goes, listen, I just want you to know, this choir is my act of worship. So don't, don't mess with it, basically is what she was saying. This is my act of worship. This is my expression of worship to God. I said, no. It may be one. You don't get to choose that, though. It's in Romans 12.1. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable act of worship or service, that same word. So first of all, I'm doing it as unto the Lord. I'm, I'm doing it as obedience. And secondly, it doesn't belong to me. When it belongs to me, it becomes an idol. Even the things that I do in church, even the things that I do for others can be an idol for me. I remember my first Sunday at the church I served in when I was in seminary down in New Orleans. And I remember I showed up the first Sunday and I was the worship pastor. And it's a pretty decent sized church. So I was a little stressed out. I get there and the sound booth is locked up and there's nobody can get in it. And so the pastor's there, I'm there. He couldn't get in. He didn't have a key. Nobody had a key except the guy who runs the sound booth. And so it was like time to start and we had no sound. And most, a lot of the lights weren't on. <laughs> and we just couldn't get there. Finally, the pastor climbed up on the balcony, had to shimmy off the side, risk his life basically, get in the sound booth and turn everything on. Well, the problem was that guy who had the key, he was not letting anybody in there. That was his domain. He had started putting his own equipment in there and different things like that. It had become a mess. It had become an idol. We get in trouble when we shift the focus off of Christ. We're, we're doing this for you or I'm doing it for me. No, we're doing it to honor the Lord first and foremost. So we come with open hands, trusting God to give and take away, to use as he sees fit. Remember the little boy who came to Jesus with the, the fish and loaves? And he said, I, I have this. There was a great need. And he said, I, I just have a few here, but I have this. It's interesting. Scripture doesn't say that the little boy followed Jesus around, right? Oh, you might want to cut that in. The, you might want to give. You, why don't you start over here? Wait, I didn't give that to you for you to do. Oh, what? No, no. He, he said, here, take it, Lord. I trust you. So when I serve, when I love others, when I step out of my comfort zone, it's not under myself and, and I can't always see even the benefit of it. I give it and I say, Lord, I trust you for that. But I come offering this as an act of worship to you. I serve. I give. I work under Jesus. Not man. It will save you a lot of frustration. And if I'm not serving, if I choose to stay on the peripheral of the community, I do that as under the Lord as well, whether I want to or think I am. Remember in chapter one of Acts, it says, um, 
but you will receive power. Jesus said you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So how does this aspect of the Holy Spirit serving others accomplish this purpose of the Spirit, which is you'll be my witnesses when the Holy Spirit comes upon you? Well, this is how it does it. John 17, 21, Jesus said that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. In our unity, in our serving and loving one another, the world will say they're onto something. Something's happening there. The way they treat one another, the way they sacrifice for one another, the way they love one another is amazing and it's not of this world. So like I said, as I, as I wrap it up here, I'm not saying you have to necessarily be on <clears throat> every service team or do this or do that. But what the word says is that as a believer, my heart should desire to, to serve others. It should desire to be in a ministry, a blessing to others. It may be that the Holy Spirit is calling you to reach out and encourage someone to be a friend to seek out, at the very least, be sensitive to the needs of others and be willing to be used by God to answer a prayer. God, how would you use me? So the point, as a disciple of Jesus, we should be pursuing service. We see that in the early church. This is how the problem was solved. This is how the complaint was solved. There was a difficulty there was a hardship. The, the, the church could have shut down right there. The, the disciples could have got defensive. People could have said, hey, that's your job. But no, God worked through his spirit to solve this problem in getting the people to serve. So the, the first step this morning is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I pray that you know Christ as your Savior. The Bible tells us that when we receive Christ, when we put our faith in him, we've been given the gift of his Holy Spirit, which is, which is his voice, which is his leading day in and day out. And it's his equipping for us to serve one another. I was talking to somebody this past week and they were giving me their testimony. And they said, you know, they had been in church. They had heard about all this, blah, blah, blah. And then when they really put their faith in Christ and said, you know what, I, I, just, I just give you my life, God, whatever it is you want. They said it was like scales fell off their eyes. They began to see other people in a different way. So the first step in serving, once the Holy Spirit is indwelling me, is walking in the fullness of that. Daily surrender to, to the will of God for your life, for your day. Pursue Jesus. Place him on the throne. Jesus said in John chapter 7, Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. When I'm walking with Christ, when I'm prioritizing being in his word and prayer and seeking his face in my life, he flows through me to those around me. Charles Spurgeon said, if we are weak in communion with God, we are weak everywhere. So that's first and foremost. And then through that, the Holy Spirit working in you to serve the body of Christ, to serve a community, this community of believers. First of all, find somebody to serve. Don't think about just what you can do. Um, we'll get to that. 
in, in, on Sunday morning or in small group or one of those things. But first, who can I serve? There's always this tension. I have people come to me uh, a lot, and you may have experienced this with me, and you come to me and say, I want to do more. I want to do something else. And my first question is going to be, whose life are you in? Who are you ministering to? Who are you discipling? Who are you pouring into in this community? Because that's first and foremost what we are called to do is to, to just pour into one another and then find a task. There are tasks that need to be done. Seek out ways to serve in the body of Christ. And that's what this example is right here. They had issues, actual nuts and bolts of gathering together and meeting one another's needs shows us that it is the body that does that. All of us operating the way we were designed to operate. And so I'll just encourage you with this. This is not a, this is not a sign them up Sunday, so don't worry. But we will be having these service teams this year. And probably next week we'll have a sign up out there. You, if you want to do a task, if you see a need, if you feel passionate about something, if God moves in your heart, by all means, be a part of that. But first of all, seek Christ and then serve somebody here. So, and then from that, we serve our community. We, we are that kind of people. We are those kind of people. You know, I tell uh, you all the time, I hope you know that just because we don't do coat drives or, or a clothes closet or um, soup kitchen or any of those things, that doesn't mean that we don't believe that we shouldn't be involved in those things. It means that we don't have to have our own table for it. We should be out there in the community serving. We should be those kinds of people. Serve in your neighborhood. Find a way to, to serve alongside your lost uh, neighbors and co-workers. Serving is following Christ. And so I just encourage you this morning to, to, like I said, first and foremost, ask the Holy Spirit, what would you have me, how would you have me serve? Who, would you, who have you placed around me in my life that may need to hear from you through me. We're, to call, we're called to be his hands and feet. What a beautiful picture it is at the, at the very first church. Let's pray together. God, thank you for your love and grace. Thank you, Lord, that it was not beneath you to step out of the throne room of heaven to come and bear the sins of every one of us, to serve us, and then to to wash our feet, to demonstrate that it's not, just a, it's not just a theoretical or a theological principle, it is actual doing. It is moving out of our comfort zone to, to serve one another, to demonstrate the love of Christ in the way that we love and serve one another. It's about getting out of our comfort zones because life is not ultimately about me. And we know that we come to the end of life and we've only served ourselves, built our own kingdoms. We know, God, that that will be lacking, lacking in fulfillment. And so, God, I just pray that you would move in every one of our hearts. The Holy Spirit, stir in us a compassion, sensitivity, and empathy for those around us. So many struggling, so many that need even just a friend. And then also, Lord, in your church, as we as a community begin, uh, continue to grow as people come, as we, we serve one another in very practical ways on Sunday mornings and in small groups. And God, I pray that you would 
work through your people. Demonstrate yourself, your love and care and grace through me. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.